have a th few things in my heart that I'd like to share today. The one is in Jude. We know that Jude was the half-brother of Jesus. James was also a half-brother of Jesus. And why do we say the half-brother? Because they didn't have the same father. <laughs> we know Jesus had a father in heaven. But we know that Jude, uh, we can show you places that it showed that Jude was a brother of Jesus. And Jude, uh, in, in Jude, the epistle of Jude. Now, Jude is the book just, it's just a, really one page, just before Revelation. And Jude uh, writes in his epistle, if you are in Jude chapter 1 and verse 1, it said, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ, the brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God. In other words, what he's saying here is that it's specifically written to those that are sanctified by God. What does it mean to be sanctified? It means to be purified. How will you do that? Through the blood of Jesus. By God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. He said, mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. In other words, he's not only blessing us, but he's, he's saying that uh, may peace and love be multiplied unto you. How many know that is a great blessing? He said, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you and to the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. What is Jude here saying to us? He said, There is a common salvation. In other words, what Paul said, he said, if anyone, even an angel of light, come and teach you something uh, contrary to what you first received, he said, let that one be accursed. How many know the devil will come as an angel of light? We know that it's deception. We know that false prophets will come. We can go to Matthew chapter 24 and see the warnings of, of false prophets and those that would come uh, with uh, uh, spirits of divination but what he's saying here is don't you know people have such a hunger for new things i want something exciting i want something that's new it's kind of like the new car that that uh, david uh, uh, put the uh, uh, ark of the covenant on but how many know that wasn't adequate how I many know sometimes we can try to get something new that is not adequate? It doesn't fit the common salvation that we had first received. The Bible says that a foundation is built one brick upon another. In other words, everything fitly joined together as the Spirit would, would uh, arrange it so that nothing contradicts the thing that is beneath it. Can you say amen with me? In other words, anything new that I receive only fits perfectly into everything that I've already received. That it's built uh, one stone upon another. And we need to understand that it's so easy to drift. It's so easy, and I've known people who have drifted, people who have changed their whole doctrine, people who have, who have swallowed a lie. 
people who have said, well, I don't believe that Jesus is the Christ anymore. Or I believe that in Mormonism where uh, Jesus is a brother, but, he, but he's not the Savior of the world. There are a lot of ways that people can drift. I had one man that would come and counsel with me. And he would come because his wife was a member of our church some years ago. And he would come every time and say how that Jesus is not the Savior, but he is a brother. And finally, what I said to him, because I got kind of sick of meeting with him, I said, I want you to write me 10 pages uh, uh, on why it makes more sense for Jesus to be a brother and not the Savior. I never saw him again. You know, sometimes you give people homework. <laughs> And they really get down to it, and then they say, oh, I don't know if I want to go that way. But Jude is very concerned here. Now, I believe it's appropriate that this book be written just before John the Revelator begins to talk about the seven church ages. And we know that in the church ages that Jesus many times would have ought against the church. He said, I love the works that you do. I love the things. But he said this one thing. He said, you've lost your first love. How many of us uh, could go back and remember when we first got saved and we had such a love for God? And then all of a sudden, we gradually begin to cool off. We gradually begin to bring it into the normal rather than to leave it in the supernatural. We gradually begin to make it uh, something uh, of a daily occurrence rather than to say, Lord, I know that you're able to give me dreams. I know that you're able to give me visions. Father, I just look to you as Jacob did when he had that dream and he saw a ladder going into heaven. I want you to know that ladder was always there, but Jacob didn't, didn't see it. Many things in life happen you don't see. And many times we don't see it because we're not looking. We're not looking because we, we, we begin to rationalize our faith rather than to know that it's supernatural. The Bible is supernatural from Genesis 1 to Revelations 22. Everything in this word is supernatural. How many know that God is supernatural? And when we start getting into a rut to where we just feel like, well, this is just something I do. I just go to church for something I do. And, and it's not with anticipation that I'm going to be with the Lord. Hallelujah. And I'm not only going to be with the Lord, but I'm going to walk in His Spirit. Praise the Lord. And when, and when he had, uh, Jacob had that dream, and he saw the angels ascending and descending from the throne. And he said, at the top of the ladder, he saw the Christ. And the thing I'm going to tell you, that ladder is in the church today. That ladder is present with us each today. If we would reach out and touch him, if we would believe, the Bible says only believe. He said, according to your faith, so be it unto you. And so we need to say, Lord, increase our faith and when they prayed that you know we look at faith paul said i go from faith to faith i don't stick with yesterday's faith but on the other hand what jude is saying don't let today's faith alienate you from the foundation which was formed even from your fathers we need to believe the word of god 
Jude goes on here in verse 4. He says, For there are certain men crept in and unawares, who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness. The word lasciviousness is sinfulness. And denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you that there is going to come some great deception. I was listening to a, a pastor this morning and, and he was saying that he has books that are printed by Harvest, Harvest Life uh, Publishing. And he says, today you can go on uh, into any of these places that sell books like Amazon and you can find books that have my cover. They've got the so-called printed by Harvest House, but he says they're false. I mean, we're living in a day. Somebody else is printing corruption and putting his title on it. And it's even saying it's by him. You see, we've got to realize that there's a spirit today. You can watch YouTube. Let me tell you something when you're watching YouTube and you see uh, someone and they've got his picture there and you expect that you're going to hear this person speak. Look at the title below. Who put that out? And you're going to find a lot of times these titles are by people that have nothing to do with the individual that they put on the face. And they bring misinformation. We have to be careful in the last day. What did Paul say? He said, brethren, we're not ignorant concerning the devices of the devil. We need to be wise in this day that we live. We need to be followers of Jesus. We need to know him. Paul said, I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he can keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. You see, if there's ever a time that we needed to have a personal relationship with Jesus, now is the time. The Bible forewarned of, of, of uh, this uh, deception. But never has there been the ability to deceive like today with artificial intelligence. Uh, all of these things that can cleverly change the truth so subtly. I was watching an image this morning and, and somebody put it, it was talking about deception and I looked and it was a sheep. But I said, there's something strange about that sheep. I said, his eyes look like the eyes of a wolf. I want you to know something. The closer you get to the truth, but yet be false, the more deceptive that false is going to be. And that's why the Bible said, rightly dividing the word of truth. Study to show thyself a workman unto God, that you need not be ashamed. What does it mean to be ashamed? We know that Paul in Galatians, I believe it was two, chapter 2 or 3, where he said he had to go to Antioch. And he had to confront Peter to his face. What That was shame because Peter had drifted. I'm going to tell you, it's easy to drift. If Peter, who people were healed, uh, uh, were healed in his shadow, had drifted back into Judaism, how easy would it be for any of us to drift into some type of doctrine that is not of God? I knew a man. And uh, he was a Bible school student, and, and uh, he was a student at the same Bible school I was a part of. And uh, he 
uh, would lived right in the area. And he went down on Lisbon Street. And down on Lisbon Street, there's a cult down there that puts the Easter bunny on the cross every Easter. Um, they make a mockery, really, of the cross. But what their doctrine was is that what they said, what Paul teaches is there's nothing spiritually, that, there's nothing physically that can tarnish your spirit. In other words, they're two separate entities. So what I do in the flesh has nothing to bear on what I do in the spirit. I want you to know something. That is false. That same man who was a great preacher, he had a lot of, of uh, potential but he fell into depravity because he begun to follow a lie. I'm going to tell you what, lies will lead you down into a depth you never thought you could go. All of a sudden, he began to believe that he could take drugs, and it, and it was no matter to the Lord. He believed that he could indulge in whatever it was on this earth, and it had nothing to do with his spirit. But the man died a broken man. He thought he'd found liberty, but what he found was bondage. And that is why we have to be careful to realize that God wants us to live a holy life before him. Now, how do we do that through the Spirit of the Lord? Paul wrestled with that. We know that in Romans 7. He said, that that I wish to do, I do not. That I wish not, that I, that I do. He said, but I find in Romans 8, he said, if I walk in the Spirit, I'm telling you, if there's ever a day we need to walk in the Spirit of the Lord, if there's ever a day that we, and, and the word Spirit there is pneuma, it's the very word that gives you breath, because your breath is pneuma. But we got to walk, and he said, the, the, he said, what is the Spirit? He said, the Spirit is like a wind. It cometh and it goeth, and we don't know where it comes from, we don't know where it goeth, but we know it's real because we can feel it. That we would be willing, as Jesus had spoken unto Nicodemus about being born again, the miraculous of serving the Lord our God. And he goes on in verse 5, he said, I will therefore put you in remembrance, though uh, ye once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, uh, afterward destroyed them that believed not. And you understand why is it that God destroyed them that believed not? I'll tell you what, unbelief can be contagious. Don't hang around with people who don't believe the way you believe. Don't hang around people that are going uh, to, to, to pull you down or to hinder you. The Bible says that what light Light and darkness cannot dwell together. He said, no more than uh, uh, sweet water and bitter water can come from the same fountain. We have to be careful. Because what the Lord uh, learned, he said, a little leaven, what does it do? It leavens the whole loaf. We have to be careful uh, what we're allowing into our hearts or into our souls. Because whether you know it or not, it can have a great Affecting God knew that. And he knew that unbelief had to be separated from his people. He knew that they could not live together and abide together. I think of Noah. The Bible said in Genesis 6 that God, even in Genesis 5, had repented he'd made man. Now, what does that mean 
what he said. What, what sor- was sorrowful to God was how wicked all of human beings had become. Why? Because a little leaven, when it contaminates, it will contaminate the whole world. I want you to know that the flood was not God's judgment. It was, it was his mercy. Because God knew if he did not save that family, that there would be no more left in the earth. And so what did he do? He separated them. The Bible said, be separate. Come up from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. Why? Because it can hinder you, it can hurt you, and it can even kill you. And we have to be careful, Lord God, that I would not touch the unclean thing. In verse 6, it said, And the angels which kept not their first estate, Can you imagine that? Here we have angels that kept not their first estate. So when we look at that, did God not make them perfect? Did he not make them uh, without flaw? Angels are beautiful, but how could they be corrupted? Well, there's always a a germ somewhere. And that germ was Satan himself, who thought himself to be as beautiful as God. Who, who looked at himself and, and, and said, I'm as great as God, as God is. And he even convinced a third of the angels. That's why we need to beware of false prophets and, and be aware of false teachers. Because they will influence people. They will influence your children. They will influence those uh, that are around you. And that's why the Bible said we need to shut that out in Jesus' name. But what happened with the devil, now this is what I believe, is that when God created man in his image, Satan was furious with that whole plan. He was so angry with that plan that he himself came down to destroy what God had created. But he didn't know there was going to be a remedy. And who was that remedy? It was Jesus. Jesus came and he paid the price that we don't have to live, we don't have to die. Amen? We that receive him and receive the blood of Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior. When Jesus was uh, lived on this earth, he lived a perfect life. You know the devil has always uh, accused God of saying, you've put upon me what can never be done. Isn't that like what Daniel said? When Daniel said, there's not a man on earth that could interpret this. How many know God has a plan? God has a remedy. God has a way. And he is the way maker this morning. And we need to look to him this morning and say, Lord Jesus, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But we need to realize that with God's mercy, with God's mercy, he he protects us and he brings us out. And he says, don't be entangled again in the bondages uh, that I brought you out of. Why? Because they'll, they'll mar you. They'll keep you from the potential that God has for you. We were speaking earlier about Daniel. Daniel was probably 15 or 16 years old. Here he was taken from his family. Here he was told that he could drink wine from the from the king's table. He was told he could drink, uh, that he could eat this wonderful food he'd never eaten before that had been offered to idols. And he could have said, you know, my parents aren't around. They can't see me. 
you know, I can just go and have a party. I can go and drink uh, some, some alcohol. I could go and do this. But what did Daniel say? He said, let us eat the pulse and the, and the water that my brothers and sisters eat. In other words, what he was saying is, I'm not going to compromise my life. Even though that might seem like it, it, there is indulgence that's going to give me some sort of pleasure. What did uh, he say? He said, I will not do that. You know, he jeopardized his life by saying that because he could have been killed just for refusing the meat off of the king's table. You know, it is something for each of us to realize you know, there's a time when we need to say, no, I will not partake of that. I will not do that. Even though it's all around you, people get into marijuana today. and Well, that's legal now. We can do that. Let me tell you what's a trap. Drugs are a trap. And what we need to understand and realize is that when we have to look at some kind of uh, uh, outside chemical uh, to bring us peace or joy or or anything else that it will become a trap in our lives and we, and we look around and we see it everywhere we go one man was just telling me he went uh, about 40 miles out of out of auburn and he counted 20 marijuana places selling marijuana you've seen so many of those around you see what it is is uh, is a trap and we need to say lord I thank you for the Spirit of the Lord. I thank you, Lord, that I find my joy and my rest in you. Verse 7. It said, Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them. Um, let me first go back to 6. It said, And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains unto the unto darkness unto the judgment of the great day what is that the day of judgment we know that un under the euphrates river there are those angels that are chained and the bible said the euphrates river shall be dried up and those angels shall be released for a season that's during the tribulation hour why did god chain them because they could destroy all that god had created and so he bound them that they would not be able to do that. He said, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, uh, given themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. You see, there's consequences to our actions. You know, there, there are those that will say, well, you know, we're saved under grace. And, and under grace, you know, you, you, there's a canopy that, that, that keeps God from seeing the things that you do. But I want you to know something. We're speaking New Testament here. We're speaking New Testament doctrine, not Old Testament doctrine. But what he is saying there is there are consequences to sin. And that's why God wants us to come out from among them. That's why God wants us to, 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 to sanctify our lives in Him. That's why God wants us to... And you know what? I can't do that in myself. I need to plead with God. God, you help me to be saved. How many of you have to do the same? 
You say, Lord Jesus, I know there's a way that seems right, but I know that it's wrong because your word said it's wrong. Lord God, there is a way. Oh, there is a desire that I have, but God, I know that it's wrong. And Lord, I want your will. I want your ways. I want to serve you, Lord. I pray that the Holy Spirit of God would help me and be an aid to me to keep me from the things that would harm me, that would keep me from myself if necessary, that I might serve the Lord, that I might glorify his name and live for him forever. And he goes on here in verse 8, he said, Likewise also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, speak evil of dignities. How many know that's what we're living in today? We have kids killing people in school. We've got all of this thing. He said in the last days these things would happen. And that's exactly what we're beginning to see. But for, for us, we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. We don't want to be filled with hate and anger, but we want to be filled with his peace and his life. And, and he goes on in verse uh, 9, it says, Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring him a real accusation, but said, The Lord rebuked you. You know, that's the spirit of humility. You know, we should walk through this life with the total humility to God to realize this one thing. I can do nothing, but Christ can do everything. He says, without me, you can do nothing, but through me, you can accomplish what is set before you. So what was uh, Michael here sharing, or what was Jude showing us about Michael the archangels? He was a powerful angel, but he never did anything without humility. He never said, I will do it. He said, the Lord will do it. And that's the thing we need to realize, that whenever we come into a position where we're being threatened by the devil, or we encounter uh, demon possession, or, or any of those things, we need to remember, it is Jesus that separates. It's Jesus that delivers. It's Jesus that has our power. It's Jesus that's our Savior. It is Jesus that's our refuge. It's Jesus. He's our strength. Hallelujah. And the Bible said when Paul would cast out devils, he did it in the name of Jesus. Because it's Jesus that will do it. And we need to remember that. And that's what he said here about Michael, is that he was humble. Powerful, beautiful, and yet humble. I mean, we need to be humble today. We need to be humbled before the Lord. To say, Father, without you I would perish. But, Lord, thank you that you never leave me nor forsake me. Thank you, Lord, that you've ordained the steps of a good man. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that I'm only good because of the word of God that is within me and for the sacrifice that you made for me. He goes in verse 10, But these speak evil of those things which they know not, but that they know naturally as brute beasts. In those things, they corrupt themselves. Do you know there's really two concepts in the world? There's the, there's the world view and the biblical view. 
How many know there's a, a, a real contrast between the two? There's a worldview, and that's what you, you learn a lot of times in school. We learn foolishness in school. We learn that, that we were once monkeys. We, we learn all this stuff. But I'm going to tell you, even in science today, is proving how foolish those doctrines are. Why is it that man would want to uh, take hold of such foolishness? Because he wants to be a god unto himself. He wants to set himself up just like Satan did when he said, I am as beautiful as God. Why should I bow my knee? Why should I bow my heart to a God in heaven when I myself can become a God? And that's really what evolution is. That's what it means uh, uh, to reject God and, and to receive another type of doctrine. The world is full of it today. But that's why we've got to say, Lord Jesus, that my mind might be stayed upon you. That my mind might be stayed upon you. Foolishness. He goes on, he said, Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain. Cain was the first one to bring murder. He murdered Abel. Why did he murder Abel? He murdered him because Abel found favor in the eyes of God, and yet he was rejected. Why was he rejected? He was rejected because he offered something that was, that was not pleasing to God. How many know we need to learn to offer God what is pleasing to him? That's why the Bible says to present yourselves a living sacrifice. He said, which is your reasonable service? But Cain, knowing full well, because we know that when Adam fell, that God took and killed an animal, and he covered Adam in that, in that fur of the, of the animal that was shed. Adam knew that it was a blood sacrifice that he had to offer to God. He knew that. He taught his children that. And Cain knew that. But his city said, hey, I'm a potato harvester. You're going to eat those, and that's what you're going to get. Whereas his brother gave him what was kosher or appropriate to give to God. You know, and that's like people that say, well, I'll give God whatever I decide. You know something? We're not our own. We're bought with a price. In other words, what God wants is he wants all of us. I put something on Facebook recently that says God doesn't want weekend visits. He wants full custody. And, you know, and that, that is so true, isn't it? He doesn't want weekend visits. He wants full custody. He wants me. He wants all of me. He wants me to, to be willing to surrender my all unto him. And you know what God said? You know why I want you to surrender all unto me? Because I surrendered all unto you. Isn't that marvelous? And that's what God is saying to each one of us today in the, in the, in the world in which uh, we live. So not only Cain, he said, and ran greedily after, era, uh, after the era of Balaam for reward. And what we see here is Balaam was instructed by God in how to speak. But Balaam cared more about his earthly wealth than he did the Word of God. You know, there are people like that. Well, you know what? I've got to earn uh, a living. I've got to do this. I've got to put God second. 
I think of Ezra and how that they went into, um, they, they were released uh, from captivity and went back into Jerusalem. And there they built their houses and they built all these things. And God was displeased with them. He said, you've built yourself a house to live in, but you've not built me a house. You know, sometimes I think we have to look at ourselves. What am I building? Am I building material things for my own gain? Or am I saying, Lord God, you're my all. You're my everything. And everything that I have belongs to you, Lord. And so we see that Balaam, he cared more for the things of the world. And then he goes about Kor. And, and the word Kor there is Korah. And let me, let me uh, just read this. I'm going to read the whole verse again. It says, Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily after era, the era of Balaam for reward and perished in the gainsayings of Korah. And what we realize about Korah is that he sought the preeminence. They questioned Moses. And they, they, uh, and, and they defected, and many of the princes followed Korah. And Moses said, okay, tomorrow morning we're going to have a meeting. And he said, and there's going to be a line drawn in the sand, and they that be with Korah, you go ahead and be with Korah. But you know, the Bible said the earth swallowed Korah and all of his people up, and their children and everything up in that day. So we have to realize the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. We need to be careful. You know, we need to be careful how we conduct ourselves before the Lord. So he's saying here in the beginning, he's saying, uh, you know, that, uh, and let me read that again. Beloved, uh, when I give all diligence uh, to write unto you, um, right unto you of the common salvation. In other words, you know what? We should grow in the Lord. We should go from from faith to faith. We should uh, see greater things about God. And no matter how much we learn about God, He is greater than that. He says, now we look through a glass darkly, but then face to face, we shall know even as we are known. But there are so so many things about God that, that we should desire to know. His attributes, who he is. But what Judah is saying is don't ever let your growth contradict your foundation. You can build upon it, but don't ever let it, con- let it contradict the words that you would first receive. Isn't that wonderful? And every single one of us as we grow in the Lord, and it is important to grow in the Lord. Paul said, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. He said, all things are lawful, but not all things expedient. What does that mean? He's growing in the Lord. He's coming to the realization that, you know what, that's not so good for me. You see, the older I get, the more important it is for me to discern what I should eat. Oh, when I was 25 or 30, man, I'd put down the, you know, the, the quarter pounders and 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 the, and and the super large fry and, and 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 do those things, but you know what? I'm getting older and I'm realizing those things aren't too good for you. You see, they should come with wisdom, but so as it is in the natural, so should it be in the spiritual. We should be growing, 
He said, when I was a child, I spake as a child. He said, when I became adult, I put away childish things. There's nothing uh, to me that is, that is more bizarre than a 55-year-old man with a, with a, uh, uh, some uh, young haircut and a big medallion around his thing trying to act cool. Time to grow up. Time to, to put away those childish things. It's time to be, uh, to be in a place. God expects for us to change. How do we change? By submission. You know, and I'm telling you this right now, that we, we need to, to say, Lord God, let me grow in you and let me know you. You see, change should be the center of, of our lives. In Galatians 2.20 said, For I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but it's Christ that lives in me. What am I, what am I saying? That should be our desire. That should be our goal. Is to say, Lord Jesus, I belong to you. You do the work in me. Help me, Lord God. In Galatians 6, 14, it says, this uh, gives us a hard, clearer look at how uh, we emphasize change. Things that were once important are no longer important to each and every one of us. So we need to thank God for his goodness and his mercy. And the fact that he's asking us if we would grow in him, if we would know him, if we would be like Daniel, if we'd be willing to set ourselves aside. If, you know, I, I, I think this, well, you know, I could have a little wine from his stomach sake, or I, I could do a little of this, or I could do a little of that. I'm going to tell you this right now. What it does is it brings people to bondage. See, it's that liberty. He says, do not, he says, do not use your liberty to be entangled again into bondage. Oh, how easy it is for us to, to, to uh, find the liberty that God has given us. Isn't it wonderful that God gives us such liberty? I think of a man who, who, who has this idea that his wife is, is an object and, and she's going to do what he tells her to do and everything. I said, the Bible said, husbands love your wives as Christ loves the church. Does God do that to you? Does Jesus come down and say, you do this and get this and, and do this? Where did you get your doctrine? The Bible said, love your wife as Christ loves you. And you know what he gives us? Liberty. Amen. You want to buy another purse? Well, you go and buy it, I guess. What, what, uh, what? Unless you've got 40 or 50, then maybe you need to get in there, <laughs> get with the Lord. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, is that a, a, a union and a man and a wife, and I don't mean to get on a tangent, should be with great liberty. God gives us liberty. But he says, don't use that liberty to get yourself back into bondage. And we can do that. 
And that's where we say, Lord Jesus, I want to walk according to your word. I want to walk according to your statue. I want to love you. I want to. I want to. Uh, I, I want to serve you, uh, Father. That you would do a work in me that only you are able to do. That should be our goal. You know, we think of Second uh, Corinthians three eighteen. He said that we would be in the same image. In Peter 1, 4, that I, uh, arm yourselves with the same mind. How do we do that? We have to have a relationship with the Lord. Remember how easy it is to become religious. I was looking at, you know, what a cult is. A cult really just means a body of believers. It, not necessarily is it evil, but it can become evil. And what we, we realize and what, what we have to, to look at is that what he said to them when they said, have we not cast out devils? Have we not done these things in your name? He's going to say, get from me, you children of iniquity, because I never knew you. We've got to have a relationship with Jesus today. And that's really what Jude is saying. He's warning us. There's going to be deceptions. There's going to be false prophets. There's going to be, and I'm going to tell you how you can know. Go back to your roots. Go back to what he said, the common gospel that you received. It must be the same. So that's my, my teaching this morning to the, to the church here and to you on Facebook and to you all also that are on YouTube that may come across my channel. I want you to know this, that Jesus loves you. We're living in some extraordinary times. I believe they're exciting times. I wake up every morning wondering what's new because it's happening that quickly. But I know that someday the Lord's coming. I believe he could come today or tomorrow. There's nothing that hinders his, his coming. It's called the catching away, the rapture of the church. And I believe the rapture of the church will come before the great tribulation because God said he's not appointed us under wrath because the seven years are going to be the wrath that are going to be poured, the, the vials and the bowls. Uh, and, and those things are going to come against this earth. And I don't want to be here to you. I want to walk with him. And could you imagine what it's going to be to be caught up with the Lord in the air? And there for seven years, there's going to be a wedding. There's going to be a wedding. Guess what? We're going to be the bride. And the Bible says he'll bring us in where we'll never, ever again depart from him. What a wonderful story that is. And then John the Revelator said he saw, he saw the new Jerusalem ascending out of heaven. He said, and she was adorned as the bride of Christ. We're going to come back with him at the end of that seven years. And he's going to overthrow the armies of this world. Isn't that wonderful? He's going to overthrow the devil himself. And he's going to bind him in chains and throw him into the abyss for a thousand years. The millennial reign of Jesus Christ. It will be worth it all.
when we see Jesus. Hallelujah. One glimpse. How's it go of his dear face? Yes. Hallelujah. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. And I'm going to tell you this right now. What I'm teaching this morning is liberating. It is what God is saying. I want to liberate my people. I want you to live. Uh, and I want to speak to you. And I want to share with you. And I want the Lord to know. And I want the world to know that I am the living God. And I will share myself through you if you will avail yourself to walk with me. Isn't that wonderful? Peter said, I perceive that God is no respecter of people. Isn't that wonderful? He loves you. He loves you as much as he loved Paul the Apostle or anyone else. So we have to ask ourselves, what hinders me? What hinders me from stepping out and trusting the Lord Jesus Christ and allow him to use me in a mighty and a powerful way? If you'd stand with me, please. Thank you. Remind you again tonight at seven, at uh, 6 o'clock, uh, we do have prayer here. If you would like to come and join us, we'd really appreciate that. Uh, you know, we, we need to be people of prayer. Thank you, Lord. Let's bow our heads if we would in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you for our brother Jude who warned us, Lord, of the wickedness of the last days. We believe that the book of Jude is in an appropriate place. It's just before the revelation. In other words, it's, it's a fix to the end times. And I pray, Lord God, your will would be done, that we'd not fall into the pitfalls or the pit that Satan has dug for our souls without a cause. Father, for we know that there is a snare that the devil would set before his, your people. But God, that he'd fall into his own snare and that we would, be, uh, would stand in the liberty that you've called us to and that we would be more than conquered through Jesus Christ our Lord and that we would endure to the end. And, Father, they would be faithful to you, I pray, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. God bless you all.